the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This podcast is brought to you by Dr. Kirk Elliott, PhD, in an uncertain economy. If you're looking for wealth management solutions and financial advice, go to KirkElliottPhD.com and make an appointment today. Uh, Coming up, I'll reveal some ways in which Americans can come together to stop the emerging police state. Debbie's going to join me. We're going to talk about a range of issues from the pro-life dilemma on abortion to the release of January 6th tapes to the recent Mar-a-Lago red carpet premiere of Police State. Hey, if you're watching on Rumble or listening on Apple, Google, or Spotify, please subscribe to my channel. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Show. America needs this voice. The times are crazy. In a time of confusion, division, and lies, we need a brave voice of reason, understanding, and truth. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Podcast. Film Police State is now in streaming, and it's also on DVDs. And um, so if you haven't seen it, you should be thinking about, how do I want to watch it? Do I want to watch it on my big screen TV? Well, obviously a DVD will work. But streaming will also work. So you can stream from Salem now or from Rumble right onto your big screen TV. And we're putting up today, I believe, (coughs) instructions on the website for how to do that. The website, of course, policestatefilm.net. Now, I'd like to talk um, today about stopping a police state. Because a lot of times whenever I make a film, in fact, sometimes before even seeing the film, you'll have people like, well, Dinesh, what do we do? How do we stop it? And usually I slow those people down because I say, well, before we figure out how to stop it, let's get a clear picture of what the problem is. It's kind of like if you are an antelope and you know there's a predator approaching, but you don't know where it's approaching from. Well, Dinesh, how do we, how do we elude the predator? Well, where is the predator? Is the predator coming from the trees? Is the predator coming from behind a bush? Is the predator charging from the opposite direction at full speed? Um, until you recognize what kind of predator you're dealing with. Some predators rely on stealth. Others rely on open speed. If you're dealing with a cheetah, uh, that's the fastest animal. So just simply outrunning a cheetah isn't really going to work. The cheetah's faster than you are unless you can run in a zigzag motion, which, by the way, some antelopes can, and they are faster than the cheetah in that motion. The cheetah actually cannot stop them uh, when they are moving in that zigzag motion. So the point is, you develop remedies appropriate to the situation in which you find yourself. Well, but let's talk about uh, remedies. How do you stop a police state? Let's recognize once police states become really advanced, they're very difficult to stop. Let's look at some police states that have been stopped and how they've been stopped. Well, we start with the Soviet Union. That's a police state that was stopped. In fact, it was stopped by kind of implosion from within. But it's worth noting that that implosion took 70 years. It took the better part of a century. It it squelched 
innumerable, almost countless lives before it in fact broke apart. And then it left in its wake a really disordered and poor country that has still not recovered, you know, um, decades later. Nazi Germany was a police state that was stopped, but not from the inside, from the outside. It took a world war to do that. Again, look at the cost of stopping that police state. Look at the the tens of millions of people killed, not only on the Nazi side, but also on the Allied side. So that was, uh, again, a very high price in stopping that police state. The Chinese police state has not been stopped. It has, it's not the same police state that Mao created uh, in the mid, um, in the 1940s and 50s and 60s. It's, um, it is a police state that has transformed itself from within. Kind of a very interesting, it's proved to be sort of an innovative police state, at least in terms of generating economic growth. But the tyranny remains intact. And this is actually one of the great busted hopes of Western liberalism, the idea that the Chinese police state would become less tyrannical over time. It has not done that. Uh, in fact, our society has become more tyrannical over time, moving more in the direction of China. Now, uh, to fight our police state, it seems to me we need many things. And we also need to recognize that this is not going to happen overnight. It's not even going to happen if Trump wins the election in 2024. Of course, getting the executive branch is critical to reforming all the police institutions of government. You want to remake the FBI from top to bottom? Well, you need the presidency. You want to remake DHS and reorganize it? Yes, you need the presidency. So those agencies are part of the executive branch and controlling the executive branch is necessary to be able to fix those things. But you also need the Congress because Congress makes appropriations. You also need the courts. Why? Because courts are the one that can strike down censorship. The Missouri versus Biden case coming up now in the spring, the court will have a great opportunity to deliver a massive blow against government involvement in censorship. And I certainly hope that they do that. What can you and I do? Well, we can use our influence to get the word out. You can become, if you will, a kind of apostle or evangelist for the film, help to widen the American people's public recognition of what's going on. Just use all your influence to do that. And then you can also participate in, 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 in all kinds of ways. You want to run for school board? Do that. Want to become a poll watcher or a poll judge next year in the election? Do that. So there are practical things that you can do. You're not by yourself changing the whole situation, but you're you're a force for good. And in many circumstances, that's the best we can be. We use our influence in our sphere, whether it's a local sphere, whether it's statewide, whether it's national. Uh, you use the influence that you have to be a force for good. And if there are enough of us, and I'm not sure if there are, I can't predict the outcome. I think there are. I hope there are. I kind of pray there are. But uh, I think that if those of us who are fighting on the good side do what we can, then we may stop the police state. But even if we don't stop the police state, we can at least say we tried to warn you. We did what we could. Debbie and I made a New Year's resolution to lose weight. And thankfully, PhD weight loss came to our rescue. Debbie lost 24 pounds, I've lost 27, and guess what? It's been several months. We've kept the weight off. We're on maintenance. The program is based on science and nutrition, no injections, no pills, no long hours in the gym, no severe calorie restriction, just good, sound, 
scientifically proven nutrition. It's so simple. They make it easy by providing 80% of your food at no additional cost. They tell you when and what to eat. And guess what? You can do this without ever being hungry. The founder, Dr. Ashley Lucas, has her PhD in chronic disease and sports nutrition. She's also a registered dietitian. She helps people lose weight and most important, maintain that weight loss for life. If you're ready to take the step of losing weight like Debbie and I have, call PhD Weight Loss and Nutrition. Here's the number. 864-644-1900. You can find them online at myphdweightloss.com. The number again to call, 864-644-1900. Debbie and I normally do a Friday roundup, but I've been doing some nonstop media on Police State, and it's... Um, and nonstop it's talking. Nonstop talking. And <laughs> sometimes it kind of gets my throat a little bit. So Debbie's like, let's tag team on Thursday and on Friday. So we're going to do... Um, we're going to do some discussion uh, both today and tomorrow on issues that are going on. Now, let's start by talking about yesterday's uh, debate. Um, I-, I think the clear winner was Vivek, <laughs> I got to say. Uh, everybody else was sort of doing their own thing. and But Vivek recognized the importance of like grabbing the uh, from the very get-go and, and, and making the kind of memorable statement, which is what he did. He he called out the RNC for the election losses. He's like, you guys have just been, you're, you're losers. Rona, yeah. 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 And he, he, he invited Rona McDaniel publicly to resign right then yeah, and there. Yeah. By the way, apparently he upset her. She was like scowling and sulking and like yeah. making nasty remarks yeah. from her seat. And But then he turns on the media and he turns to Kristen Welker and he basically says, you're a purveyor of the Russia collusion hoax. What do you have to say to that? Go, you know, yeah. and puts her on the spot and she like gives yeah. a that idiotic smile that she's kind of famous for or infamous for. So, um, you know, it's interesting where this is really going. I think that I don't think it's putting Vivek over the top, but I think what it's doing is it's first of all, it's exposing people like Nikki Haley because Vivek is targeting Nikki Haley very directly. It's kind of funny. These two Indians kind of go <laughs> go at it. Um, he called her basically Dick Cheney in heels. Kind right? of. Oh, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and, but then he very slyly goes, he goes, there are two of them on the stage. You know who he meant the other one? Ron DeSantis, because Ron DeSantis wears cowboy boots that apparently have lips in them. Oh, no. So Vivek didn't really go there, but he was sort of implying. Oh, he's not that tall. <laughs> I know. But, but, uh, but I think, look, I mean, who is the beneficiary of all this? I think probably Trump, because despite no, it, debate after debate, Trump stays. I mean, Vivek was very Trumpian in his in his assertiveness, right? So you know, in breaking the rules exactly. and breaking the glass, yeah, yeah, and, and like but, not accepting. But again, you know, that's we need that from all of them. We need all of them to be that way. We need all of them to attack the media and attack those that that have been really spineless in our party. I mean, right. that's not a bad thing. No. So so even though, you know, Vivek did it, I think they all should do it. Yeah. Uh, now, name calling, I think that that's kind of dumb. I, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, it, you, but, yeah, right. But, um, you know, and, and also, you know, when he um, when he kind of went off on Nikki Haley about TikTok and about the daughter. Oh, let's talk about that. So, I mean, basically, all that Vivek said was he goes, you know, because it's so true. Very often politicians will decry something in a general way. Oh, yeah. TikTok is horrible. And then and then Vivek goes, well, your daughter's on TikTok, yeah, right? Yeah. And she goes, leave my daughter out of it. You're the yeah. scum of the earth and so on. But, but Vivek wasn't 
dragging the daughter in, uh, except on a matter that was completely pertinent. Right, right, yeah. No, I don't share that view uh, of TikTok being, I mean, TikTok, maybe it's, maybe the Chinese have TikTok and all that. But, but what I'm saying is, and I think what Vivek is trying to say is that guys, we got to join them. You know, this is the, the young kids are on TikTok. And if we want to have any kind of importance, any kind of relevance in, in, in our debate, we have to go where they are. And that's, uh, we got to recognize, I mean, saying. our generation is more on, on Facebook. I, of course, am more on X or Twitter. But uh, but that uh, we, there's not a lot of young people who are on Facebook. No, no, they're on no, TikTok. They're on TikTok. Absolutely. And I know YouTube is trying very hard to compete with to compete with TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this brings us to I mean, uh, Vivek was obviously alluding to the disappointing results of the election. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the Ohio situation, and we can continue into the next segment. But uh, let's just tell people what happened. What was the result of the referendum in Ohio? Well, I mean, it, it was very upsetting because the Ohio voters approved the amendment enshrining abortion access. And for all nine for months. For all nine months. Yeah. Even, I would argue, even born alive. So, you know, I, and I told you this the other night. I said, is it, is it in fact the case that people are just inherently evil? We're just evil beings and we don't care that we're killing an unborn baby. I mean, is that it? Is that what we've become as a society? Well, this is the key issue, and we would we were going back and forth about this, and and let's tr- let's trace that discussion a little bit because you've been maintaining that people don't understand. They don't understand that this is in fact a taking not just of a life but of a human life. Admittedly, a human life in the process of formation. But a human life, in in a sense, at all young ages, is in formation. A human life that leaves an imprint in the mother, for, right, forever, right. You know, the cells, the exchange of the cells, everything that happens in the body when when a woman is pregnant, it's a miracle, right? And and the fact that that people can't even get past that, you know, that they that they think that it's only a woman's choice, but yet they're ignoring the woman or man in the womb's choice. Right? We'll be right back so, to, to pick up on this topic. There's nothing worse than hearing about people living in pain. This is why I want to tell you about Keith from Washington and his Relief Factor story. After years of activity from college football to running a martial arts studio at age 51, Keith's body felt like it was wearing out, so he's said, I'm going to give Relief Factor a try. Keith says he now has, quote, little to no pain in my knees and a highly reduced neck pain. Feeling so much better, he pursued a second-degree black belt. What a story. You know, on a personal note, it's worked for me and Debbie, our family, and our friends. If you're living with aches and pains, see how Relief Factor, a daily drug-free supplement, could help you feel and live better every day. To get started, try the Relief Factor three-week quick start kit. It's only $19.95. It comes with a feel-better or your money-back guarantee. Visit relieffactor.com or call the number 800-4-RELIEF. That's 800 800- for relief or go to relieffactor.com, you'll feel the difference. So the issue that Debbie and I have been going back and forth on regarding abortion is that you've taken the view that, gee, the pro-life movement here has failed because it has not convinced people that this is a human life. Because after all, you have to assume there's enough decency in people that if they recognize this is a human being, I mean, after all, these same people would not kill a human being that's a year old. 
or two years old for that matter. And I made the point that, look, it, it, this is not a failure of the pro-life movement. The pro-life movement, of course, has been has been shouting from the rooftops that it is a human being. But now with the appearance of ultrasound and the fact that anyone who's pregnant and their families, they all go to the doctor and they look at the ultrasound and they can see what's inside and they can see the movement. They can, in some cases, see the gender, see the sex of the... And so the debate in that sense is over. And that means that at some level, people have to know today. Which is why I said people are inherently evil. Because if you know and you do it anyway, what does that say? Right. You know? Um, so I think what happens in those cases when people do something like that that's really evil, they rationalize it. Yeah. Because it's very difficult for someone to say, and, and this applies also to a police state, you know, I am a villain. You know, it's only in the cartoons that, that, that or uh, there's a certain tradition in literature where people embrace take being a pleasure, villain. Right. And they're like, right. I'm the Joker and I'm going to, they take pleasure. Or even Iago. Iago takes pleasure in being a villain. But in human nature is not like that. Human nature is like, I'm not a villain. I'm, I'm driven by necessity to do this. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or I'm doing something noble looked at from another point of view. And so let's say, for example, that people go, well, my own um, self-fulfillment and my own ability to care for my other children and my yeah. own this, all of that justifies what I'm doing. And so yeah. people develop a very cunning... True, but there are, there are a lot of resources out there. There's clinics. In fact, you're going to be speaking at a pro-life event next week yep. uh, where this is a clinic that treats you know the women from the very beginning it also has child care uh less you know lessons in child care uh it, it it helps the women carry on after the pregnancy yeah um i believe they also help with adoption so so i think that there's just so many so many things out there that you can do that you can't you can't sit there and say you know what I can't have this baby because I can't afford it. I can't take care of it. Whatever, whatever. When in fact, you can give it up for adoption and have someone else love it and take care of it. I mean, so, given the availability of the adoption option, I think this makes no sense, yeah, right? I mean, there's yeah. no, uh, even in the most extreme circumstances uh, of, you know, um, where someone goes, you know, I was raped or I'm a victim of incest. And first of all, think of how rare those things are. Yeah. But nevertheless. Very, very rare. Um, But the the availability of adoption is like, okay, well, you don't have to live with that for your whole life. Yeah. All you do is you carry the child to term, give it up for adoption, go on and live your life. Yeah. So I don't know how how much time we've uh, elapsed. Okay. So um, what I... I think we should we de- this is something this is a subject that we should definitely talk about yeah. you know at further but um another thing that that I wanted to to talk about was um and that's a completely different um topic topic and that is anti-semitism the anti-semitism that is going on right now in the world uh and as you know I get I get these alerts and and I wanted to to kind of uh, give you a little bit of a of a preview of what I get. It's it's basically it's called Israel Real Time, and they. How did you find out about it? Um, did... Yeah, so Seth Ornstein, our yeah. friend, uh, connected me to this group. Oh yeah, and so so I get minute by minute updates of what's happening, and and uh, in fact, yesterday uh, Netanyahu 
uh, basically said, we are not, I repeat, we are not going to do a ceasefire without the release of our hostages, right? So so that's, that's very... Um, yeah, because the Biden administration has been trying to put some pressure on him to do that. Yeah. And, and then you also told me yeah. from the site that there were Jews from other countries. Yeah, so they said that they're having a mass immigration from, you know, uh, Jews from other countries because of the rise in anti-Semitism around the world. So they are leaving. They're fleeing those countries and going into Israel. So they're they're having to account for all these people coming in, all these Jews coming in from all over the world because of this anti-Semitism. And um, I mean, it's know, such an ancient it, grudge. Jews oh, have been going it, back to the Middle Ages. Jews were thrown out of all these European countries, one after the other. Of course, the pogroms in Russia are part of the subject of Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, and so yeah, and then these, and then this the, this new thing that happened: this elderly Jewish man that was killed uh, by this uh, Palestinian protester. You know, and I would say Hamas. Protester. Now, I don't think they did. They intend to kill him, or did well, they, they hit him with a with a megaphone? But it was, you know, under duress. I mean, they were chasing, they were chasing him. him, and they were they, they apparently stalking him. Uh, and so this is happening in our country, and and it's it's extremely disturbing. Um, and and again, you know, we, we could talk about this in another segment, but but it, it's just to me, I just don't understand how people. I mean, think about this. The and the difference to me with regard to say, you know, people talk about Islamophobia in the wake of nine eleven, but in the wake of nine eleven, the radical Muslims launched the attack. It's so, sort of understandable that when a group of people in the name of Allah do that, people go, "I don't like these people," yeah, right? No, <laughs> we're here. No, it's on. It, it, you just don't understand it unless it unless you know Bible. Unless you understand the biblical foundation, foundation for anti-Semitism, and 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 I think that that's what makes it so incredibly like that the, that the Bible pre- envisioned it, predicted, predicted it, it, and here two thousand years later, it's it's, it's still happening. Still going on. Mike Lindell just keeps on introducing great deals. He's featuring the all-new My Pillow My Towels. Save fifty percent off on the six-piece towel set. Regular price fifty nine ninety six, but now for a limited time only twenty nine ninety eight with promo code Dinesh. Debbie and I have Mike's My Towels all over the house. We love them for ourselves, but you know what? We also like to give them as Christmas presents. So there's an idea for you. My Towel Six Piece Set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths. The towels are just really amazing. The long staple length of the Sherpa cotton fibers make them very soft. Because of the long fibers, they wrap around each other more easily, creating a smoother and softer fabric. It's soft to the touch, but without the lotion-y feel, it's also super absorbent. So take advantage of the 50% off on the six-piece towel set called 800-876-0227. The number again, 800-876-0227. Or go to MyPillow.com. Don't forget to use the promo code D-I-N-E-S-H Dinesh. Yeah, Debbie's been really disturbed by the not only the rise in anti-Semitism, sort of the the ideology of it, but also the um, the indifference of those people to the carnage created by the Hamas attacks. And you have actually seen it more up close, certainly than I have. I know about them. But there's a big difference in knowing about something and, and seeing it, and seeing it, and seeing it, and hearing it. Yeah. Um. So I have seen some video, 
And this is very explicit, and I am going to talk a little bit about it. So if you have like a queasy stomach or you have children, you might want to like either turn it off for a minute or go have them go to another room because I'm going to describe in detail what what I've seen and heard. Um, well, I saw a tape, uh, a video of uh, of the IDF going into that that. Um, that festival. That festival, right? Yeah. The, the, the day after, right? So this is, this is after the, the people had already been killed and all. But the IDF didn't know that. They didn't know how many people were, were still alive. They didn't know if the terrorists were still there. Um, so they, they go around some cars. And the first thing I see, of course, are dead bodies right by the cars. And, and they're speaking in Hebrew. So I can't understand what they're saying, but they keep going. And then there's like this food court. And, you know, this is where the, all the food was served. There's these like Coca-Cola, big canisters, you know, and, and food, uh, canisters. And as you, as you go around it, it looked like these people were trying to hide behind these countertops. And they're basically, I, I, I can't unsee it, honey. It, it was so horrific. Um, shot dead. Some of them didn't have faces. Yeah. Um, and, and so, I mean, the, just, you know, I, I, I would have to say there were probably 40, 50 people in there like that. Right. Yeah. And again, they're speaking in air, in not Arabic and Hebrew. And you can tell they're, they're very agitated because they can't believe they're seeing this, you know, with their own eyes. And, and I mean, these are, you know, these are soldiers that are used to seeing carnage, but I think that it took them. It, it really took them back to see this because these were young girls, young people, uh, in, you know, in the prime of their life. And, um, most of them in there were, were women, but there were a couple men here and there. But anyway, so that was that video. Uh, and, uh, and then I saw other videos that were also horrific of, of people in homes, you know, that they went and, and, you know, massacred, massacred these people. Yeah. But one that really stuck to me was this one of the IDF uh, soldiers uh, was describing what happened in one of the homes. And um, it was so awful that I, I couldn't even like process what I was hearing. Yeah. Uh, and that is that these these horrible Hamas bar- barbarian. I don't even want to call them animals because animals don't do this. No. Um, they went into this home, they killed the mother and father, and they, you know, they did all kinds of things to their bodies, right? But they stuck their baby in the oven while the baby was still alive, turned on the oven full blast, killed the baby cooked in the, the oven, baby. cooked the baby in the oven. And when they went in there, the baby was still smoking, right? They took it out, but the baby was stuck to the grill. So they had to put the baby and the griddle in the bat and the body bag together. Wow. I mean, honey, this is something that I'm sorry, but simply bombing Hamas is not enough. If, if this was my family, I would want to go and get the, the families of the Hamas terrorists that, that did this to my family and do the same thing to their family. 
Exactly. I'm sorry, but this this whole notion of oh, you know, look at look at Israel, look what they're doing to to, to the you know Palestinians. There are some Free civilian Palestine. casualties. Oh, oh no, that is that doesn't even compare to what yeah, I and, do. and it doesn't compare when you basically say, okay, I'll I'll, I'll find that guy and I'll shoot him. Bam, you're dead. No, I mean, is that really no, justice? No, it isn't. It right. isn't in my book. And so so Netanyahu is being very civilized, really. By, by doing this and, and looking for the Hamas targets. And you know that the Hamas uh, terrorists are going to be infiltrated with people, with the civilians. You know, they do that on purpose. Yeah. But, but I really think the only way these people are going to respond is if you take their family members and you do to them what they did to the Israelis. Yeah. I saw, and I, I told you about this, uh, short video of one of the IDF paratrooper commanders. And he was talking to the other paratroopers and he was like, you know what? They've taken our angels. And so he's like, all we have to send are our demons, which is these guys. And they were, they all cheered because I think they, having seen what they saw, they, they were basically like, we have to visit some hell on these people. You have to. And again, this is really not, this is, um, this is nothing more than righteous indignation. I mean, this is the this is the way that justice responds to a horrible atrocity. It's normal to do that. It's normal to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And and I as mean, you say, at, Israel at, is exercising almost I, inhuman know, restraint. Yeah, I mean, it, to to me, you know, the, even the fact that that Netanyahu wants these these monsters to release the two hundred and forty hostages that they have. Well, if they did to these people, what I've seen <laughs> and what I've what I've read about. Uh, what what is going to keep them from doing it to those people, right? I don't think that that's how they're going to respond by by the bombing. I think it's going to be it's going to have to be more personal to these people. Um, and I know that that um, probably the Israelis do not want to do that because they are civilized. They're not they're not barbarians like the Hamas uh, terrorists are. Uh, but I think that really that's the only way that they're going to stop doing what they're doing. I mean, the question you're raising, which is a question to really think about, and we'll we'll talk more about it over time, is just how do you influence the psychology of people who take relish in this kind of murder, who are are, are not interested in negotiation in the normal sense of the term, are neither human, nor, as you say, animals, because animals don't engage in this kind of sadistic behavior. An animal may eat you for dinner, but it's not going to torture you in that way. So this is a very difficult class of humans you're dealing with. And how you influence their behavior remains a little bit of an open question. Yeah, but I mean, I think I have the answer. And that is due to them what they did to us or that or Israel. Yeah. Debbie on a really good uh, health journey, but we still struggle to eat enough fruits and veggies and fiber, and those are a requirement. Now, lucky for us, we discovered Balance of Nature. What better way to get all your fruits and veggies plus fiber than with Balance of Nature? This is Balance of Nature's fruits and veggies in a capsule, so easy to take, made from fresh whole produce. The produce is powdered after an advanced vacuum cold process, which stabilizes the maximum nutrient content. And this is Balance of Nature's Fiber and Spice, a proprietary blend of fiber and 12 spices for overall and digestive health. 
Join Debbie and me. Start your journey to better health right now. Call 800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. You'll get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code AMERICA. Again, it's balanceofnature.com or call 800-246-8751. Get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code AMERICA. Well, we've been talking about a pretty wrenching and gruesome topic. And um, and I want to turn to something a little bit on a happier note, a little more cheery. And that is our red carpet premiere. We actually haven't talked together since that event. And uh, I thought it was a great event. I mean, I thought it was a really good mood. Sometimes at some of these events, there's a lot of rivalry. There's a lot of like backbiting. There's a lot of this guy had the limelight and I didn't. And um, and interestingly here, and even in the absence of Trump, because Trump put out a statement on Truth Social, which I read from the stage, but Trump wasn't there at Mar-a-Lago, but lots of influencers were there. Of course, there were a lot of political figures who were there. Giuliani was there. Uh, Michael Flynn was there. Uh, Carrie Lake was there. There were various um, prominent figures from media and social media who were there. Um, of course, Juan Gino was there. And uh, But I thought the mood was very relaxed and was very much focused on, on the movie. Like, let's watch this film. What is this film trying to tell us? And, um, and it's interesting for us because we're so involved in the sausage making of the film. So... We, we envision it and script it. We go over that. We then bring in all the footage and finally it all comes together. And yet, even if we look at it and go, that's really good or that really works, we don't know until we, we put it out there. Yeah. And we don't know the, the reaction of other people because, you know, it, it's like, it's like having a child, right? You think that that child is the most <laughs> beautiful, is the most beautiful baby ever, you know, like, Oh, don't you love my kid? Everybody's like, yeah, but yeah, okay. It's your kid. Only, you know, the baby's only as beautiful as a mother could love, you know, that kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. but I do think that in some, in some way, even, you know, even I know when, when we've done a really good job on a film, because there have been other films that I feel like, you know, after watching it, mm, I wish we had done this and this and this instead. I wish we had put this in, taken this out. You know, yeah. I'm more critical because yeah. because of it. But I do think that this one, I think we did the best the best job we could have done. Yeah. Really, you know, and we had a little so, more time we, that we were a little less rushed than we yeah. were with Two Thousand Mules, and so as a result, we had a little more time to just polish the final product mm-hmm. uh, and i think the emotional arc of the film is really yeah. powerful yeah well and and also just the fact that we did feature these people in the movie and and they were all super powerful stories i mean we took we took and 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 the, you know what's what's so what's so amazing to me is that there are so many other stories that yeah. we we couldn't have possibly put them all in the movie because it would have been a 10-hour movie but I mean, look at the impact on people like Jerry Parna or Balanos. They they literally felt like we we vindicated them. We gave them their dignity back. And these are people whose dignity has been violated. Their spirit has been crushed. I mean, Jerry Parna basically put out a a, a message uh, of a couple of this was before the movie, basically saying I've sort of lost the will to live. I mean, I felt so bad when I read that because I of course knew her story and. Uh, 
And yet she seems a little bit refreshed, a little energized, a little bit like, okay, well, somebody cares. Somebody's putting the truth out and other people will get to see it. Right. And so my nephew's life will not be totally in vain. Mm -hmm. So uh, I feel just very gratified. Obama said the same thing. The same thing. The same thing. Uh, Because I think he thought, you know, what? What in the world has happened? And, and, and why me? And, you know, even though he, and he says, you know, he wasn't arrested by the FBI, but they harassed him. Uh, I mean, they gave him a stroke. They, they, they hurt his, yes. they damaged his health. They damaged his they, health. Uh, they abused Mark Hauk's family. Yes. And you said Mark Hauk's wife was there yeah, and she was crying, in tears yeah. at the, um. And so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing what, uh, what the power of film can do. But, but I also feel like, like this movie is bringing out something that people, you know, and, and one of the interviews that, that you had, they said, we knew of all these isolated incidents and we knew that this was going on, but we didn't know that it was like a thread that that made a story like Police State. That's what and a so, film does. Is so, it, it yeah. shows you and it puts the pieces together. Right. It gives you a, a timeline, a history, if you will, a genealogy of the police state. So the whole, all the pieces now fit into perspective. I mean, I've been amazed at how things happen after the movie. The release of the trans shooter manifesto, a partial manifesto. All of this ties into police state. And yet we didn't know about that particular right. thing before yep. the movie. Yep. And yet it fits right in. So it's the power you know that you've got an explanatory framework that works when it's making sense even of events that even, occurred. Even after, because, after, because then people go, oh, of course, we're moving into a police state. And uh, yeah, you apparently, know? apparently, uh, according to our friend Bruce, I, I didn't hear, because I was watching parts of the debate, I didn't hear the Trump rally, but apparently Trump was using the phrase police state and talking about the nature of a police state. So these ideas percolate out. They influence the way people think about the world. And, and that's really the reward of making a movie like this. Guys, this is a perfect time to join my Locals channel as an annual subscriber and get the new film Police State included for free. I post a lot of exclusive content on Locals, including content that's censored on other social media platforms. On Locals, you get Dinesh Unchained, Dinesh Uncensored. You can also interact with me directly. I do a live weekly Q&A every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. No topic is off limits. I've uploaded a bunch of films to locals, documentaries, feature films, mine, but also films by other independent producers. And you know about the new film Police State. If you're an annual subscriber, as I mentioned, you get to stream and watch all of it for free. So check out my channel. It's Dinesh.locals.com. I'd love to have you along for this great ride again. It's Dinesh.locals.com. When you make a movie called Police State, you should expect some reaction, some perhaps pushback, criticism, retaliation on the part of the police state. And here's something I haven't talked about before. Three FBI whistleblowers just went before the House Judiciary Committee and they made an interesting observation. In fact, I didn't even know about this, but I read about it in the Washington Times, an article by Kerry Pickett, And um, it appeared this Tuesday. Whistleblowers accuse senior FBI officials of retaliating uh, against people who are involved in the movie Police State. Wow. So we in Police State, we featured a number of whistleblowers. In fact, 
in the movie, I wanted to have whistleblowers, informants, people who know the origins of the police state, the kind of architecture of the police state, how it's put together, how it's organized. Because a lot of times people say things about the police state that are very vague, sometimes conspiratorial in the wrong way. So it helps to understand how is this thing put together? How does this, uh, how did the censorship apparatus work? How does the political targeting work? Who tells who t- to do what? And um, additionally, we hired a couple of the FBI whistleblowers, Kyle Serafin and Steve Friend, to help us with the making of the movie because we have very cinematic and vivid recreations, but I also wanted those to be authentic. And so I wanted the language that's used to be accurate. I wanted the kind of weaponry to be to be right on. I wanted people who are watching the film who have a law enforcement background or an FBI background to say that's uh, that is actually a um, um, clinically accurate portrayal of how things would have would have gone down. Now, evidently, the FBI is very worried about these whistleblowers. Is very worried about the film. And they, there's nothing they can do about the film. Uh, I mean, they're probably doing some things. They're probably surveilling me or trying to listen to my phone calls. Maybe Debbie and my pillow talk is now being recorded. You've got some guys listening. Debbie's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but, but the point is that they, um, they are retaliating against their own FBI agents who they think are friends or connected with the people in police state. <laughs> so in other words, they think, I think they've watched the movie and they go, the movie has seems to have such a kind of interior knowledge of what's going on that there have to be a lot of FBI people in the FBI now who are talking to us. Whether are or not, I'm not going to say. But their point is, we got to root those people out. It's kind of like the panic of a any kind of a wicked bureaucratic organization like the mafia. It's like, oh... There's a movie about the mafia. They seem to know a lot about the mafia. They're probably some of our mafia goons who are talking to those guys. Let's try to get rid of them. Let's try to root them out of the mafia. So this is what's going on. This FBI, FBI is a mafia. They're thugs with badges. And they they think that some of their thugs might have kind of gone over to the good side and are now talking to Kyle or talking to Steve or talking to Dinesh. And so this is the FBI so-called security division. And and think about it. This is just pure police state tactics, right? To retaliate against FBI agents. They don't know that these FBI agents have done anything. They don't know if the FBI agents have talked to us and what they've said. But by mere association, they're connected with Kyle. You know, this guy served in the in the Miami office or in the Florida office with Steve Friend. Oh, this guy worked with Kyle Serafin. Immediately a kind of as uh, Paul of suspicion falls on that person and they start looking at their clearances and so on. And this is a violation of law, by the way. The FBI has a, a procedure. You're only supposed to go after people um, and, uh, and revoke or suspend security clearances when they've done something egregious, when they've done something that breaks the trust between them and the FBI. Well, I guess making a field called police state breaks the trust for for this corrupt organization. <laughs> so so um, they revoked, for example, Kyle Serafin's security clearance. Now, let's think about this. Why did they do that? Well, the, the, the thing that Kyle Serafin did, in fact, the only thing that he did that was sort of not in conformity with FBI rules is he didn't take the COVID vaccine. <laughs> okay. Is he the only one who didn't do that? Turns out, no. 
300 FBI agents didn't take the COVID vaccine. Now, the FBI is entitled to have health rules and say, if you don't take the vaccine, um, then you, you know, have to work at home or whatever. But what does this have to do with revoking your security clearance? Nothing at all. Have the other 300 agents had their security clearances revoked? No. So what you see here is that they use a, in this case, a violation of policy. Well, we have a policy of taking the vaccine. He didn't take the vaccine. Well, yeah, but that, what does that have to do with taking his clearance away? So the taking the clearance away is then they use a pretext to do it, even though that pretext is not being used against anybody else. You're, you're being singled out for punishment because you didn't take the vaccine. And as for other people who didn't take the vaccine, well, they're in a completely <laughs> different situation. So I'm really glad that Kyle and, and Steve have are not being quiet about this. They're going right to the House of Representatives. They are making their case before the legislators, who, are, by the way, are in a position to hold the FBI to account. And I hope that they will. I'm in the chapter of Solzhenitsyn's gulag that is called the Blue Caps. These are the people who run the prison camps. And Solzhenitsyn is getting into their mindset, their psychology. And he says their starting point is the idea that interrogation and trial are just a form of what he calls judicial corroboration. They cannot alter your fate, which was previously decided. If it's necessary to shoot you, then you will be shot, whether you are guilty or innocent. If it's necessary to acquit you, then no matter how guilty you are, you will be cleared and acquitted. It's kind of a fait accompli. It's a done deal. Now comes Solzhenitsyn's famous line, just give us a person and we'll create the case. This is a line, by the way, that's repeated in a slightly different form in police state. Why? Because I think it's the operating manual for the left and the Democrats. It's the operating manual for the DOJ. Let's find us a guy, Trump, and we'll find you a case. In fact, 90 plus cases, to be, to be honest. And so this is the absolute antithesis of law. Law is about finding a crime. And here's a body. Oh, who did that? Now let's go find out who did it. We're not trying to pin it on a particular person. We're trying to find out who is the criminal who did this act. But in a police state, and this shows you how police states are inherently lawless, it goes the other way around. You have a political enemy. It's like, let's go see what we can pin on that guy. Let's go see what he did. Uh, either something that is criminal or something that isn't criminal, but we can make it look criminal and we can get him anyway. That's the operation of the Soviet police state. Hey, that's the operation of our police state. Um, that was what many of them said jokingly, and it was their slogan. So a lot of times when you've got bad people that do something bad, they can't say, we are criminals, we are sadistic torturers. And so they come up with jokes that contain enough truth in them that everyone recognizes, yeah, that is what we're doing. We're not going after crimes. We're identifying political enemies and then pinning crimes on them. So it's a joke that's kind of not a joke. The wife of the interrogator Nikolai Gravishenko, the Volga Canal Project, said touchingly to her neighbors, she's talking about her husband, Kolya is a very good worker. One of them didn't confess for a long time. They gave him to Kolya. Kolya talked with him for one night, and he confessed. So think about this. This is the wife of an interrogator. 
And she's really proud of her husband and proud of him and almost in the very normal sense, like, oh, my husband is, you know, he's, um, he's drilling for oil and he's a really hard worker and he found a new oil well last week. No, except in this case, it's like, my husband is a really diligent guy. He gets the confession out of people. In fact, there's one guy who like wouldn't confess, gave him to my husband. He made sure the guy confessed. And, and think of the demented psychology where it doesn't even cross your mind. Well, did the guy do anything? Did you make him confess to something he didn't do? So here we're beginning to see that <clears throat> the way police states function is they define these tasks operationally. So the operational task here is make the guy confess. That's what you need to do. That is the measure of success. What he really did is beside the point. The confession is the objective. If you achieve that objective, you are a success at your job. Then says Solzhenitsyn, what prompted them, meaning the interrogators, to slip into harness and pursue so zealously not truth, but totals of the processed and condemned? In other words, they don't care about what happened. They care about getting a total. Yeah, we got 18 guys to confess last week. Uh, it's, it's almost a quota system of punishment. And then he says Solzhenitsyn, because it was most comfortable for them not to be different from the others. He says, because these totals meant an easy life, supplementary pay, awards and decorations, promotions and rank, and the expansion and prosperity of the organs themselves. Low totals led to their being kicked out, to the loss of their feedback. For Stalin could never be convinced that in any district or city of military unit, he might suddenly cease to have enemies. So Stalin is paranoid, many dictators are. He wants to get people, more people the better. And he thinks that these are all his enemies. They have to be squelched, they have to be locked up, they have to be silenced. And so the, the whole prison industry defines its task in operational terms as succeeding in delivering the totals. And if you do, guess what? Hey, you're keeping the industry going. The money keeps coming in from the state. You get bonuses and promotions. So think about it. This is the exact same motive that enables people in our police state, not just in the FBI, people who work at DHS, people who work in the various organs of government, people who are involved in censorship. Their basic task is, you know, the more people we censor, the better we're doing our job because government doesn't have a profit motive. They work by metrics and the metrics as well. You're involved in censorship. Well, how many people did you censor? Well, 17. Only 17? What? That's it? Why, why isn't it 700? Oh, well, next week work on getting at least, get, get 100 next week and then maybe you can go to for 200 or 300 the following. So in this way, the squelching of human lives, the squelching of human uh, freedom, the squelching of uh, human aspiration becomes a measure of the effectiveness of the police state. Subscribe to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify, or watch on Rumble, YouTube, and SalemNow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.